Blog Talk Radio. From the offices of Live in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, finally it's parenting your challenging child again. Boy, it seems like a long time since we've done this program. A few scheduling issues have gotten in the way, but um, finally we're back on the air. And just in time, we have already got a caller waiting on the line from area code 3 or 3. I'll be with you in just a minute. We have a lot of email to catch up on. That's what happens when we let things slide for a few weeks, but thank goodness we're back. And um, I, of course, forgot to turn my cell phone off before the program began, so um Often you'll hear it ringing in the background because I frequently forget to do that. Um, How are you doing in this very, very cold winter in most parts of North America anyways? um, uh, Boy, I don't usually long for summer until about March or April. I want summer already. We're not even done with January yet. But, um, well, I guess that means more family togetherness which, of course, can go either well or poorly, depending on how many unsolved problems there are in the pile of unsolved problems waiting to be solved in your family. We're going to get to the email in just a minute, but let's get to our caller immediately. From area code 303, you're on the air. What's on your mind today? Well, Dr. Green, thank you. Thanks for taking the calls and doing the show. Um, I I have a a number of questions that are, that are all related, and I'll try not to get tangential, but I have a a ten-and-a-half-year-old boy that a year ago took such a turn for the worst, just incredibly violent, self-harming behavior, um, physically violent, mostly with his mother, but uh, but, we're happily married with my wife. Um, And we really reached a crisis point, and we decided at that point that, you know, we would pretty much put all of our resources and effort into helping him. And in the process, we found a great psychologist and psychiatrist, and uh, the psychologist turned us on to Lives in the Balance. Um, he's, a, he's a huge believer in it, and uh, I, I think ultimately what he wants us to do is follow this course, and we have been and have seen some great success with it. Now, one of my concerns is that the psychiatrist that he's seeing um, and we definitely need this, and it's not, uh, I don't want to make it sound like a major concern, but has put him on um, risperidone to deal with some of the temper issues and, and the real mood spikes. Um, he's also being treated for ADHD with uh, Ritalin and uh, Zoloft for anxiety. And my psychologist believes that um, ultimately, What's happening with the mood stabilizers, with the risperdone, is that it gives us a chance to reach him and to really bring the, the collaborative problem-solving, the lives in the balance approach um, into play. And the psychiatrist also so feels like, well, this is the idea, right? The idea is you, you want to wean him off eventually. Um, 
And I just want to get some of your feedback on that, on, uh, on a drug that really takes the edge off so much so that I'm scraping to find the big unsolved problems. I can come up with smaller ones, and that's the second part of the question, is helping me figure out um, what, uh, how to word the unsolved problems that we now face, um, and at the same time, um, making sure we're doing it right so that when we do start tapering him off these meds, if that becomes a reality, um, he does have the skills in place. Okay. First of all, thanks for calling in. Secondly, um, it sounds like you've been through it. Uh, <laughs> a, a violent, self-harming kid who's attacking people uh, is not what most, well, not what anybody dreams of. So um, we're going to put you in the you've been through it category, but you're answering, you're, you're asking some really important questions. And I am unlikely to, and I'm delighted to help you word the unsolved problems after we talk about this stuff first. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, because I don't know your son, and because I'm not a prescribing physician, I may not be able to, nor a physician at all, but rather a PhD, not an MD, I may not be able to answer with perfect precision, but I can give you some general thoughts here. Okay. In the abstract, it is true. The goal of putting a child on psychotropic medication is to one day be able to take him off. That's the goal. That goal is not always achievable. There are some kids who need to be on their medication. No matter how good you get at plan B and no matter how many things you have in plan C, some kids need to be on medicine. And your child is on a mood stabilizer, uh, an SSRI antidepressant, yeah. and a stimulant medication, all of which presumably are addressing different things. And the one that you're talking about the most is the mood stabilizer. Um, yes. I hope that he won't be on the mood stabilizer for his, the rest of his life. And I don't know whether that will come to pass anyways. But I can tell you something that I um, have said to parents whose children have improved so dramatically on a mood stabilizer that they are finding that there's almost nothing left to work on. And that's yeah. what I am hearing you basically saying, that you're sort of um, scratching for any unsolved problems that there might be left to work on. And here's the good news. Apparently, the meds are working. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, better, they are. Better They're... than having them not work. Um, I mean, I always tell people that there's the angst of, I tell parents, there's the angst of putting your child on medication. Oh, yeah. And that, then there's the angst of having it work. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the angst of the side effects. Side effects, which which, which you in, you know, the case mentioned. of Risperdone, this is a very athletic kid that has gained probably 15 pounds. And on a... Got it. And that's not an unusual side effect for that medication and a, a reason that many parents would like to see their child come off of that medication as quickly as possible. And once again, sometimes that's doable and sometimes that's not. You'll find out. But you are having now passed through the angst of putting your child on medication. You are now in the midst of the angst of having it work. <laughs> 
which yeah. is probably better than having it not work, but still not anxiety-free for parents, especially when you see your child, in the case of some medications, gaining a lot of weight. Yeah. And by the way, even if he wasn't athletically inclined, the, the weight gain can sometimes be so dramatic that um, you'd be concerned about it whether he was athletic or not. Right, right, but, of course. But, and, and... Right. So I'd wanna, I want to know a little bit more mm-hmm. about um, what it is that used to set him off pre-medication. But here's the deal. I've said this to me. This is the, this is the part I'm taking a long time to get to. I've looked at many parents who were in your exact situation, who had medication that was now working and who weren't exactly sure what there was left to work on. And here's my rather blunt but um, incisive phrase. Uh, you don't want to get addicted to his medication. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. That's. And, I, I mean, and it sounds like you're trying not to, but you want to get him and you really good at solving problems collaboratively while you have the medication helping you out so that you can see if he can someday come off of it because you have something to potentially, not always, but potentially take its place. Because if you're you're doing things the exact same way you were pre-medication and now the only change is that you have medication that is working, I'm actually less optimistic about him being able to come off someday. But go ahead. No, well, well that's and that's exactly right. I mean, I, I plan on embracing the lives in the balance, the collaborative problem-solving approach um, harder than ever, maybe in the next six months. I, I, you know, don't want to go back to where we were. And I can reach him. I can go. Hey, Tanner, let's talk about this. I, I noticed something's bothering you. You know, and I sometimes I've had incredible results and. Sometimes, as I'm sure you're well aware, you get into the empathy stage and maybe you look back at yourself and you go, you know what, I'm being bothered here by something that I probably shouldn't be. Oh, <laughs> and the kids me something cool. and I'm like, okay, you know, I can make that adjustment. This really isn't about him. Um, well, if you find yourself in the empathy step, and this is not uncommon, by the way, and let's face it, you are, if you have a kid who off medication is self-harming, and being violent to others, you are on a different playing field. And some of the things that might have mattered a great deal to you if that's not the playing field you were on don't matter to you anymore now that you're on this playing field. So, yes, it is entirely possible, this is not, un, this is not unheard of by any stretch, that you find yourself in the midst of the empathy step on something that you thought was a high priority and decide in the midst, why are we even talking about this right now? I don't even care. (laughs) And that simply says to you that something you thought was a high priority really belongs in plan C, which would be a low priority, and the only things you really want to be using plan B for are the high priority items, and you should really only have two or three of those that you're working on at once. Right. But yes, that, that's perfectly permissible. If you're in the midst of Plan B and you're thinking at the beginning of it, we really got to talk about this, and then in the midst of it, you're thinking, I don't even want to work. This is not a high priority. Put it in Plan C immediately. Move on to the next one. Yeah, and, and you know that's a little bit where it's been right now. Is we we did a, a great. I mean, maybe my most successful um, plan. Proactive plan B that I've done was really about homework. He, he he gets tutoring. He's behind in school for you know the ADHD and and, and whatnot. And 
the homework was becoming too much. And we actually reached an agreement through it all and, and gave me a real understanding that, you know, I honestly believed he was maxed. He's stuck hours about what he can do. And he made an agreement to work much harder in that hour. And then we would, and he really has maintained it now for a month. It's, um, you know, that was very successful. Um, and that was a big one. And, uh, but, you know, going back to what you said originally, I feel like, well, maybe some of these ones don't seem as big to me anymore, right? I mean, I, um, they're not just altering my life. You know, I'm, I'm sleeping again. Things are, things are good. Um, but to give him the skills, as you mentioned, that when he leaves it, I feel like, well, even if they're not big, maybe I need to follow through on a whole – or, again, you can help me figure out which of these I should, should do that with. But I still want him to have those skills so that we – in the hope yes, that we can right. take him off. And if, if we can't, I want him to have those skills. The, deal. The, the, the skill building that goes on with Plan B, I don't think it is built any better on – big kahuna unsolved problems than it is on smaller unsolved problems, things that didn't seem like such high priorities. I, I don't think you need the big ones for right. the skill building to occur. So my generic response to your question would be, yeah, why not? But you've got me curious here because it sounds like – here's the piece that's missing for me just listening to what you're saying. Yeah, no, I want to hear. That's why I'm on the phone and said, write you an email. I want to address them head on. <laughs> well, it sounds like if what you're saying is, let me let me lay out what I think I know. Okay. You have a son who had unsolved problems that were causing major episodes pre-medication. Yes. He then goes on medication. And now this is the part I'm not so sure about. Those unsolved problems that were causing major outbursts before um, are no longer, correct me if I'm wrong, are no longer unsolved problems. And all you are left with is minor unsolved problems. So we've already answered one question, and that is, should you take advantage of your newfound stability and the fact that the medication seems to be working to work on the smaller ones, but the, but the answer is yes, right? Let's, let's, let's get a plan B habit going here so that if the day comes when he's able to come off medication, you've got something to fall back on, plan B. Here's the yes. part I'm less clear on. Yes. What, what, uh, what, what, what things was he getting violent about and self-harming about pre-medication? Those, those are no longer there? Well, and, and you know, you, you bring up a good point that, that this is what I'd hope for that makes me analyze it more. And, you know, some of that might be that because the outbursts aren't so extreme, we don't feel it the same way. But at the root of it, they might be the same unsolved problems, you know. Um, and, you know, it's a discussion my, my wife and I had last night because – she knew I was going to, you know, call the show and whatnot. And I said, well, okay, here's, here's one problem. This, was all, this has always been a problem, but when we tell him to stop now, he doesn't lose it. It's, he is addicted to shopping. And that can be, now that, you know, he's 10 and he can get on the computer, it can be Amazon. Mm-hmm. He, he just shop for hours a day. And, um, you know, before you might have just said, no, Tanner, you can't do this. Do this, we do a plan A. And then it didn't take a lot to spark just and outright, you know, I'm so angry, and then he's just 
what our psychologist calls mental detritus, then he goes over the top and, you know, attacks you verbally. And then if you don't respond, um, you know, he, he can, I'm so stupid, I'm so stupid, and beat his head on the wall. Or, and now we can get through it a little easier. Um, and, but, you know, that's still an unsolved problem, but the magnitude of it doesn't feel the same. All right. Um, he, so, I'll give you one more example because I find ahead, this yeah. one also prevalent for us is that he has a five-year-old sister who just turned five, so half his age, and he finds ways to just needle her. And, and a lot of it can be that she's at this wonderful age of wanting the pretend world. And this morning, for example, she was playing with some stuffed moose, and she was like, well, can we take them to school? I was taking them both to school so I could, I could make it in time to call you. And she, I'm like, you know, can... I want them to go drive in the school so they can see Colorado. And she's like, well, and Tanner's like, well, they've seen a lot more than Colorado. Let's look on the tag and see what they've seen. And he takes the imagination. She's tying a string around their necks to make, you know, leashes. And he's like, that would hurt them if they were real. That's just not right. And he takes the play, the imagination, which he had so much of as a child. And he, he at every instance, um, in the last few weeks especially, he's been robbing that from her, not accepting that she's playing. He'll call her a liar if she says something that's, Imaginary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but again, it's not like we correct him and boom, he goes off the deep end. And, and sometimes what I'm worried about now is that I really want to hold myself true to the plan B, and I think what happens is I do five-minute plan B because I can say, hey, Tanner, I see you've got some concerns that you think Coward's lying. Um, you know, what's another way we could look at that? And, but I don't go into great depth because um, – and maybe I should plan C it and, you know, do the proactive plan B later. And I'm sure I'm doing that wrong. And, and that's one of those things where the drug, give, you know, the, 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 the risperidone, unfortunately, maybe gives me an opportunity to do that. <laughs> well, um, it, it gives you an opportunity to do two things. And that's why I said let's not get addicted to his medication. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I will remember those. Parents, you, you can get away with plan A when your kid is stable on meds yes but you weren't getting away with plan a or any plan when he wasn't on meds and this is i think this is crucial yeah here's here's the tricky part because i don't know your son never met him um i don't know what judgment i would come to if i knew him right about how badly he needs the medication or how badly he needs plan B, or both. Because here's what you're basically describing, and, and this is true for, I'm, I'm really glad you called in, because this is something that many parents face, and many parents who I've worked with have faced. So this is, I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, mm-hmm. What you're describing is, and let's take the, uh, you know, it sounds like he's a consumer, right? He, he, he likes <laughs> buying. He likes buying and, and a if lot. You, if you had tried to set limits on that pre-medication, he would have gone over the top in terms of frustration and anger. Yes. Now what's changed is not that he's no longer a consumer. He's still a consumer because you're telling me that's still an unsolved problem. Yes. What you're telling me is that what the medication has done is it's made it so that you – can set limits on that in whatever way you're setting limits on it, and it doesn't get as ugly as it would have pre-medication. Correct. 
here's what I can't tell. Okay. And, and here's why, oh, boy, do you need? Do I think you should be doing plan B on that issue? First yes. of all, you got you got the medication helping you out so that plan B is more doable, right? Because you've, right. Re, you've reduced the, what the medication has presumably done, and I'm taking some leaps here because I don't know him, is at yeah. the very least it has reduced his reactivity in the midst of frustration. That, that's a, a, a very good appraisal, very good how I would describe it. Got it. And that's what... Mood stabilizers are frequently most useful for. They lengthen a kid's fuse. They serve as an emotional muffler, as I say, for a kid. But here's, here's what we'll never find out, I think. I could be mm-hmm. wrong. I don't know the situation as well as I would like to, to be coming to this judgment. But here's what I've said to many parents. We're never going to know what life is going to be like off medication. If the only thing the medication is being used for is to make it so that you can kind of just set limits without him reacting to it, because there's another, there's a non-medical intervention that could do that for you as well, and it's called Plan B. Right. <laughs> here's here's what we don't know. If you had, and I, I, we have no clue, and I'm betting given the level of severity of his behavior pre-medication, yes. that it sounds to me like medication was probably a really good idea. It, but it, yes, go ahead. what we're talking about now is will he be able to come off someday? Yeah. Coming off presumably means you're dealing, helping him deal with frustration in a way other than the medication you would like him to come off of someday. That that is correct. I, I believe. I mean, obviously, it is frustration, right? I mean, at the at the heart of it, and and um, um, you know, even and I, I try to to enter the empathy stage as a complete blank slate. You know, my wife is like, we're talking about the, the, the coming right home. We went on a ski trip. Um, we're in Colorado, you know, with the warm weather, unlike you. We went on a ski trip this weekend. Really, overall, I will say this. We've been doing a lot of trips. We've been getting away a lot. We, he's, we've stopped team sports for him because it was causing so much anxiety. And we're doing outdoor things as a family. And it's been mm-hmm. absolutely great in and of itself as well. Um, and a lot of times it's he and I. And, and, and this weekend we brought his sister um, and he was mostly very good. And now, where was it? Oh, but we were kind of going. The second he, the last three weekends, I've done something with him. We've been gone. He comes home, he immediately goes to the computer. And I like, you know, mentioned it to my wife. She's like, well, that's anxiety. I'm like, you know, in my heart, I do believe, yes, this is anxiety. But I guess I don't know until I go through this real empathy step. Correct. I, I shouldn't you even go with a broad you do the like anxiety, step. right? I mean, because I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't but, know until you do the empathy step. That's absolutely right. I failed last night at the empathy state, but you know what? Even though he wasn't in a temper tantrum like in the other times I've tried, um, emergency plan B, mm-hmm. it was still a little bit of emergency plan B, I realize, in retrospect, because though he wasn't angry, the hyperactivity was off the charts. I was trying to talk to him while he ran circles around me, did flips on the bed, um, and I never – I don't think I went – Maybe I didn't word the question right. I was just like, hey, Tanner, you know, I noticed that the last few weekends when we came home from trips, you know, where we had a really good time, the, the very first thing you did was uh, go right to the computer and start shopping. I'm like, could, could I give, give me a little in, information? Like, what, what does that feel like? Um, and he's like, well, I just like to look and to learn and to study and to, to find out different things. And it makes me really happy. And um, 
Um, you know, but it'd be bouncing around the room telling me about the happiness and the learning and the, and, um, um, you know, just the, the wanting. And I can wait for his birthday six months away. I can wait. I can save up money for my birthday. It gives me something to save for it, you know. But, um, and so I tried to learn a little bit, bit more. And I said, well, let me just tell you. I, he goes, well, so, so what's the problem? I said, well, I do have concerns about this, Tanner. And, you know, my concerns, um, I said, maybe there's a, a couple of concerns here. And one of them is simply that I'm worried about the disappointment if you don't get you know, these remote control cars you're shopping for. Um, and I'm also worried about the amount of time you are spending in front of the computer uh, taking away from other important things in our life. And um, he was like, well, I printed some stuff out. I can just read it. I don't have to be in front of this, that, the screen. <laughs> See, now, it sounds like previously that might have set him off in a big way. Oh, it could have been a, a, a huge way. Correct. Um, so... Um, Good that it didn't. I am delighted that you are trying to fine-tune your use of Plan B. I'm delighted that you know you want to be doing it primarily proactively, not emergently. My little teeny critique of what you just described as it relates to Plan B please, is that please, you, ended up, you ended up talking about two unsolved problems at the same time, and you want to, you want to split them. Okay. Um, the the computer is one issue, and the buying things is another issue. So you don't okay. want to necessarily merge them, right? That makes it more confusing. But right. Guess, okay. Fair enough. I, I didn't hadn't intended to merge yeah. them. Right. Well, the computer right. screen it, it time, the kid doesn't do much in the computer. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. Then that then that wouldn't that wouldn't have entered in. Yeah. Um, you know what it sounds like to me? You are still in sort of. I'm glad things are more stable than they were mode. And you know what? <laughs> That's an okay place to be for a while. So, so I don't want you to be too hard on yourself for, um, you know, st- there's something to be said for stability. But if you're looking at the, at the long view, and we started this call by you saying, um, I wonder if my, I, I'd like to get my son off of it someday. First of all, stability is a wonderful thing. Yes, that's, that's that's and I don't want to I don't want to diminish the importance of the fact that you have a much more stable kid right now than you did pre-medication. Yes. I also completely appreciate your sentiment that you don't want him to be on medication for the rest of his life if he doesn't need to be. You're yes. in stability mode right now. You you guys are getting your bearings back again and that is a wonderful thing. But you're also appreciative of the fact that there's still some things to work on. You've now clarified for me. It's not that the big unsolved problems that were there pre-medication are now gone because of the medication. They're still there. They just aren't causing the magnitude of reaction that they used to, but they're still there. Yes. Well, well no, thank you. Your help. I mean, through the course of this phone call, I'm, I'm understanding that now. You know, it, um... so, so now pick two or three of them. Pick two or three. Because that's what I'm hearing. I'm, I mean, I might have it wrong because we haven't been talking all day long. No, no, that's we, great. That, that, I mean, yeah. Pick two or three, and those are your high – really give some thought, probably with your wife, to what your high-priority unsolved problems are. Yeah. And do those proactively and dump everything else into plan C. Because here's the conclusion I'm also coming to. You would like your kid to be off medication someday if he can be. Uh, uh, and uh, look. 
Absolutely, if he can be. Um, you know, I, I have a father that is on medication, and um, he needs to be, and I'm grateful that he is. Good, and, good that we have medications that work. Not so great that they have some of the side effects that they do, some of them, but um, better to have ones that work, and sometimes even better to have the side effects than to have a kid who's as out of control and dangerous as yours was pre-medication. So at the moment, we're going to say it's all good. But what we're also going to say is this. We're going to have to replace the parts of the medication that are working, namely emotional muffler, uh-huh. uh, longer fuse, with something else for him not to need it anymore. And that's why I would strongly encourage you to stay vigilant in trying to do Plan B well and proactively. Get these problems solved while you have the benefit of the medication, because um, uh, the medication is giving you some um, breathing room here. <laughs> uh, you know, that's you, what it is. I, I've enjoyed the breathing room, and I, I, I feel like I'm ready to get back to work now, and I need... Well, and I don't think you have to be super intense about getting back to work. It's just that the medication has not only given you breathing room, it's also giving you breathing room on fine-tuning your and his skills at doing Plan B. And I'm going to feel much better about you finding out if he still needs the medication if you all have some really good plan B habits in place than I am if he just, and I've seen this happen many times, we have nothing in place. And there's many kids who I've worked with who, because of side effects, have had to come off the medications. Right. And, and when the parents did not take advantage of the breathing room, the opportunity the medication presented to get really good at plan B and get their kid good at it, then when the medication was done, when the kid had to go off it, they were right back where they started from. Yeah, and, and I guess that's what I absolutely don't want. And, and what it makes me, like I said, one of the things I really took away from this, and thank you so much, is that you're right, my unsolved problems haven't changed. It's my perception of them because of the severity of these unsolved problems that has changed. Of the reaction, right. Right. Um, and um, So listen, yeah. we've, we sometimes while I'm... Uh, Talking with people on the phone, we get emails from people who are weighing in who've been in similar situations. I should read you uh, an email that I've gotten from somebody who was in a similar situation. Here's what she is writing, and she's right. It's frightening to have a family situation such as this. We also had a nine-year-old who was violent and exploding at least eight times a day. He needed to take similar medications. Good for the parents for seeking out the proper help. This takes time to solve and figure out. Hang in there. Dr. Green's model gives one hope to combat the weight gain, put it in a positive light because we too had concerns about our athletic son flipping out by gaining weight. We had him, we arranged for a trainer to work with him, and this put a positive spin on a not particularly desirable side effect. So here's the good news you're not alone. <laughs> Um, and, and the rest is sort of, first of all, thanks to our emailer for weighing in and um, helping you benefit from the wisdom of her experience. Um, you know, the rest is kind of playing it by ear. But I guess the main take-home message is your unsolved problems have gone nowhere. Your son is just reacting to them in a less severe way than he was. Let's get some good Plan B habits going so you can find out if he can someday come off the medications he's on. Yes, um so, because uh, you've, you've made offers on previous shows to help us, you know, word the unsolved problems, and 
whatnot. So this this the shopping thing, like I said, I had kind of a yes. failed effort. I had felt pretty good about some other <laughs> uh, proactive plan Bs I've done lately. And uh, last night, I and again, maybe it's because it wasn't proactive, and I thought it was. Um, because, again, so, so, he's calm, right? And I mistake that for a time to do it. But in, in retrospect, it was getting later in the day. It was right after I asked him to leave the computer and come into his room and talk to me. And, you know, other times it's been like, hey, let's go in the garage and shoot pool, and we have a half an hour we can got it. kill in a, in a much more relaxed environment. You know, so, or, so maybe you found out that it wasn't the ideal timing. But, yeah. Um, in terms of wording, um. Let me hear a little bit more about the unsolved problem. Are you basically saying that there's always something he wants to buy now? Yes, there is. And it can change on the polar ends. He's into re- remote control stuff right now, but you know, it could be fishing to the point that he like would live at the Orvis store if I let him. Or Got it. Got um, it. And so I've got one more question for you. Yeah. Does he get an allowance? He does. Okay. And we we do try to have him allocate uh, those funds towards these purchases. Okay. Another – I guess that wasn't my only question. Okay. When, <laughs> okay. he wants, when he wants to buy something, where does he think the money's coming from? <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is um, sometimes he thinks he saves. Um, sometimes he pesters beyond – compare. Yeah, I mean, it is unbelievable. Can you get that? Can I, can I get it for me? Please get it for me. You know, and it'll go, um, it, it, it can, and that's what I need, you know, the, the, the help with. And that's why I just kind of really, I guess, maybe I didn't voice my concern, right? My concern is a little bit, you know, hey, you know, I don't want to spend so much. And, you know, we actually made a pretty big economic, um, as you probably know, commitment when we decided, you know what, we're going to go out of network. We're not going to look for – we want the best psychiatrist. We want the best psychologist. We want to be yeah. in there one week. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so I, I could be bringing my own stuff into it too, a little bit here, but it's like – Well, here's the thing. It sounds like there have been times when he's spent his own money on things he wants, and it sounds like – there have been times when you've agreed to buy things for him that he wants. Yes. Fair assumption? It works when he wants, yeah. Got it. So here's yeah. how I usually start, and I'm, I'm going to do this quickly because we have another caller who's waiting now, and I want to okay. see if we can get him or her in today as well. My unsolved problems usually begin with the word difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I like to be as specific as possible. My initial sense here, tell me if this would work. This is a little bit vague, but here's what I might say. Okay. I've noticed that sometimes it's difficult or hard for you to, I'm talking to him now, Mm -hmm. um, hold off on purchasing things that you really want to buy. My first, what, what's up? So my first question to you is: Is that a reasonable statement of the unsolved problem? You know what? That is. Well, then we're going to think... call it a day. <laughs> Give it a whirl proactively. I get the feeling that that's going to be one of your high priority unsolved problems. Yeah. Pick a good time. The parents panel is next week on this program, but we take calls on the parents panel sometimes. So if you want to. Call in and let us know how it went. 
we are always delighted to hear from you on this program, whether it's the parents panel or not. No, I, that that sounds great. I would lo- um, love to do that. And then, um, I mean, I, can I ask you for just a one-minute quickie, though, with this belittling his sister, this this finding? On the wording? I like wording. Um, difficulty. See, the wording of the unsolved problem is usually difficult. Yeah, he's having difficulty but it's, allowing, it's difficult I mean, and maybe I can be very desired behavior. So what is it that we want him doing when his We want sister him to is, engage with his sister um, in the way that she, she loves him and she wants him to engage in her pretend world, if that's the case. And even if he doesn't want to engage in it, if he can excuse himself without destroying the little bubble she's in. Spider-Man right. wouldn't you're, the stuffed animal wouldn't have a leash. The, you know. So you were about to give me some proposed wording. Give it a shot. Um, you know that he has difficulty um, uh, meeting your little sister um, in in the manner which she wants to play. Okay, I would word it slightly differently. Okay. I don't think that's terrible, but I'm not sure he's going to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fair Sounds enough. like he's having difficulty allowing his sister to use her imagination and say what she's imagining. Okay. You, right. Is that Fair enough. On? It, you know, Good. pretty darn close and enough that I could maybe tweak it, but pretty darn on. I think the other one was spot on, and I love that. It's, it's specific. Good. It's better to the point. I can. I, I really appreciate this. And, My uh, pleasure. You know you're welcome to call in any time, and um, that's what this program's for. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much, and you probably will hear from me again. I, I, I do feel I want to say that while we weren't, weren't on the right dose, some edge was taken off, and I was really using the proactive plan B and seeing tremendous results with it, and I absolutely intend to stick with this. And I, I think it's a great program. That's awesome what you do. Do what you're almost, you're almost there. All right. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's, you know, you want drama in real life and people who are going through the agony of understanding and helping a behaviorally challenging kid. Um, Got to feel for that dad. Um, and yet, he's doing what he needs to do. Good for him. All right. So we have about uh, six minutes left in the program. With some trepidation, I'm going to Bring on our caller from area code 541. I don't know if we'll be able to help you in just six minutes, but we'll try. How are you today? Hi, Dr. Green. How are you? Good. I'm well, glad to um, be doing the program again. What's up? Well, it's probably six minutes. are not going to be enough, so I will call you back some other time, but I will ask you a few things right now. My daughter, who is 11, uh, she was adopted. She was diagnosed. And don't use any names, by the way, and we're good to yeah. go. Okay, and she's um, been diagnosed with ADHD, sensory processing disorder, and dysgraphia. Um, I, I will just stick to the school right now. I'll ask you questions about the school rather than her. She's in a special, not special ed, but, you know, assistant um, for her math and reading and things like that. She's having real major issues with her uh, teacher, which... The school does not seem to be seeing it, and he's not seeing it because they say he has ADHD, who better can understand her, which I absolutely disagree with that because I've seen something sometimes that, you know, once in a parent meeting he told her if um, 
if I was grading you, you would have get, gotten an F if there was grades. Um, once he told her that if she doesn't get uh, multiplications, she's not going to make it in school. Um, so he, I feel okay, like he so that, almost, that can break that can break either way. You're absolutely right. I feel like he's butting heads with her, like he is a child with ADHD or, or a child, mm-hmm. and she's a child, and they're butting heads. Uh, once in another classroom, she was writing scribbling, and she wrote that she hates that teacher. She was in another classroom. And then I think she left her book be- notebook behind. They took it to her class in the math, and he somehow looked through it, and he saw what she wrote. He kept her notebook, and then during break, he went out and he asked her, so, I, you know, is it true that you hate me? I think, or he's mean, she wrote. She hates him. He's mean. And he told her, I don't think that I'm mean. Uh, you know, she just froze, of course. She didn't know what to say. She was just scribbling. Mm-hmm. And then he took her notebook that belongs to another class, and he kept it with him for two days. And she told him, can I have my notebook back? And he said, no, I'll give it back to you later. And she got in trouble in the other classroom because she didn't. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I just, she feels, she says that she can manage in a regular class. And he says, he keeps on telling her, no, you'll be back in this class. Um, in this class. And I'm just at a loss of how to deal with the school because even the principal, the assistant, came with us once to a meeting and she tells me that, She's she's so cute and looks to me like she got in away with it so many times at school in the past that she's still pulling that string. Mm-hmm. And in a way, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that sometimes, but I think she's pulling that string because she doesn't know how to pull other strings. I would and, be inclined to agree with you generically. Um, I think that kids behave maladaptively when adaptive behavior is beyond their reach, so mm-hmm. you're just putting it in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my big question. You're, you, uh, what you're describing is a situation in which both the teacher and the school are going about understanding and trying to help your daughter in ways that are not in keeping with what you'd like them to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like when you're describing the teacher, yes, I get it, he has... He's been diagnosed with ADHD, too, and we we could agree or disagree on whether that makes him the ideal candidate to be your daughter who has ADHD, to be her teacher. But um, the mentality that I'm hearing about, she's been getting away with this for a long time. Okay. And the intervention that I'm hearing about, keeping her notebook from her, which is a very unilateral, punitive imposition of adult will intervention, the mentality and the interventions are not in keeping with my model, as I described it in The Explosive Child and Lost at School. They're not solving problems collaboratively, and they're not seeing your daughter's difficulties. Based on what you're telling me, and of course we're going quickly here because we only have two minutes or so left, but it doesn't sound like they are understanding her difficulties through the prism of lagging skills, and it doesn't sound like there's any solving problems collaboratively going on. And so we could ponder whether the ADHD teacher is the ideal fit for your daughter, but I guess I'm looking at a different issue, and that is they don't seem to be solving problems collaboratively or viewing her difficulties through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. That, I think, is probably the major focal point for me, given the little that you've described. And then comes the big question. Well, one big question, does that sound, does it sound like I'm 
right about that. But then secondly, how do we help them get on board with it, quite frankly, whether the teacher has ADHD or not? You know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. And, I, you know, I've sent them uh, some of your videos, and, you know, and sometimes I think they take it in a way like, are you going to teach us? How to tea, you know, I mean, they almost get insulted a little bit. It's always sad when that happens because you're, you know, you're doing the best by your daughter and they're trying to do the best by your daughter. But very important to have a meeting of the minds on how to view her and what's going to work. Otherwise, you and they are going to be in completely different places in terms of understanding and you and they are going to be in completely different places in terms of intervention so here's my last question for you before, unfortunately, we're going to have to scoot off the program because we're running out of time. And, of course, you're welcome to call back in. The okay. big question is whether there's somebody in the building who you think will be a sympathetic ear and can help you navigate your way through all of this. But I would yeah, encourage you, you know what, I would encourage you to call in next week on okay. the parents panel because these are two parents who've been through what you've been going through, and they may have very good guidance for you as well. How does that sound? Okay. okay Let's have great, you do that. Great. Thank great, you for calling. Great. We're going to so call it a day for today's program. Thanks to all of you who are listening in today. We'll be back next week with the parents' panel. Take care.